Welcome to the Amphenol Frontline Podcast, where we share success stories and best practices of Amphenol management throughout the corporation. This episode features Eric Rushbrook, Group General Manager for the Amphenol Commercial Air Group. Eric and I mainly talk about his Amphenol PCD facility in Beverly, Massachusetts, and how they have modified their work environment. We discuss some of the ingenious homemade tools his team has invented to protect the health and safety of the employees. And we talk about the early adoption of an automated temperature screening system at Amphenol PCD, as together we combat the coronavirus pandemic around the world. So Eric, here we are now Tuesday, May 5th, and we've been going through the coronavirus pandemic now for quite a while as far as dealing with it in our factories and you being a general manager and being at the literal front lines of how we respond to this pandemic. How are things going so far for you a couple months in at Amphenol PCD, just specific to Beverly, Massachusetts? I'll be honest that I'm I'm pleased and uh, somewhat surprised at how well our people have handled it. You know, the response of the leadership that's still in the facility, working with the people to calm emotions and fears has been really uh, amazing to me. We've taken kind of a population who's facing probably one of the scariest things that you could think of. And, you know, we're working with them to deal with, you know, disruptions at home where, you know, businesses or operations have closed, family members are, you know, in the house or not in the house. Children aren't being able to be minded uh, by their ordinary childcare, and you know we still have folks who are making the commitment to come into the office and do the work. You know we are an essential business, so we've been uh, asked by our customers to stay running and supporting that defense industrial base, and we've only been able to do that due to the strength and the resilience of our people, and it's just truly impressive. Part of this whole thing, large part of all of this is with the actual facility is making sure that you have at the forefront of your mind and everyone else's mind the health and safety of your employees in in the work environment specifically uh, obviously in their personal lives as well but as far as in the work environment what are just a couple of the key things that you have implemented at the facility there Um, and then we'll get into some of the newer stuff that you're trying here in just a bit you know, right from the beginning, and we had a small advantage from the standpoint of our PCD Shenzhen manufacturing operation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. went through this months ago. Right. And, you know, one of the things that we went out and did was acquire N95 masks to ship to China when they didn't have resources. Mm-hmm. I went out and acquired uh, hand sanitizer and uh, sanitizing wipes. And I, I, consider it unconscious competence where uh, we could ship the N95 masks and we did so. But when we tried to ship the hand sanitizer and the wipes, they were deter- determined they were flammable and we weren't able to make the shipment. And so I was stuck with liters and liters of hand sanitizer and, and jars and jars of wipes wondering what I was going to do with them. Mm-hmm. And we, we've certainly found a use for them pretty quickly. So we had supplies when other people couldn't find them. And we actually shipped the N95 masks back from China because they felt that they were too tight and not comfortable to wear. We deployed surgical masks. Uh, we very quickly went out and used the CDC guidance on hand washing and started that back in January in terms of the communication to the, uh, the staff. And we just really deployed hand sanitizing stations, Lysol wipes. We had 5S units around the conference rooms 
where people were, you know, given supplies that they could use, tissues, things like that. Um, yeah, I was at the very early stages. Since then, we've done other things. Um, we've opened up all the fresh air intakes on mm -hmm. HVAC. I've got the fans operating constantly throughout the facility to recirculate air. Any non-essential doors are propped open. And we've really tried to minimize and reduce significantly the number of contact points. Uh, and we actually pretty early on implemented the use of uh, surgical masks for everyone in the facility. And you even did things like had hooks outside of restrooms to show oh, yeah, they were yeah. occupied and just talk through some how, how some of those just small little touches came about. So great team. Uh, so Terry O'Brien, Richie Laxon, Dave Grealish and, and the folks in the facility, you know, we were all kind of coming up with ways that we could reduce social distancing. And, and, you know, through that ongoing interaction, they said, geez, you know, one of the choke points is we got four people in, in a bathroom and you're not able to socially distance there. And, you know, we could prop the door open and maybe ask, but, you know, we found it was a pretty clever solution just to hang a badge up, go in, walk, do your business, wash your hands, come out, <laughs> pick your badge, and people would know if it was occupied or not. That was all your team. They just came up yeah. with that idea. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it sounds so simple, but I, I think others have adopted that as well um, it, uh, throughout the facilities. So it's it's those little things. So glad to see that ingenuity there in Beverly. That's a good thing. Yeah. And another clever thing was, um, you know, I, I feel bad for all the trees, but hanging tissue boxes on the walls near the doors that were not able to be propped open. Um, so if we had a passageway that needed to be closed or locked for ITAR reasons and only allowed badge access, you still wanted someone to be able to turn that handle. So we hung outside of that door a tissue box so someone could take a tissue, open the door, not actually contacting the handle. And then there was a bin right at the other side of the door that they could dispose of. So, you know, it's it's not as environmentally friendly, but I think keeping our uh, our staff and our employees healthy, you know, is is paramount right now. Very ingenious. I like this. Yeah. I like these little ideas. <laughs> That's great. So the other thing, the other important piece, and uh, one of the reasons I'm talking to you too, and I think that people will be interested, is you have been one of the early adopters and and test cases, so to speak, for some of the automated temperature screening, which has been a bottleneck at facilities because, sure. you know, it, you could be potentially doing, you know, a couple hundred or more people, depending on the size of the workforce at, at shift change in order to screen them. And if you're doing it manually, it takes, it could take quite a long time. The automated temperature screening really speeds up the process. So you have one now in place. Can you talk a little bit about what you have in the Beverly facility. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I was fortunate enough to have Rick Schneider reach out to me and, and ask a few questions about some of the stuff that we were doing. And then as part of that dialogue, he came back to me a little bit later and asked, you know, was I interested in demoing a system? And there were two different options that we could look at. One was a, a Viper system and the other was a Seek uh, system. And, you know, the Viper was, a, I think it was about $24,000, $26,000 and the Seek was about a $2,000 system. I did a little research about, you know, the infrared cameras, kind of, you know, whether or not it would be reliable technology. I wasn't convinced that it was going to be reliable. So I went with kind of a lower cost option to try and give that a go mm -hmm. and uh, see what the results would be. And essentially you have a dual camera, which does a live visual image and a thermal image, and you have a reference plate and you can set it up on two tripods about five feet apart and the operator will stand in front of the camera, it'll find their head, and then it'll search for the hottest 
part of their face or uh, what's in that box. And it checks the skin temperature and then estimates a body temperature as a result of the skin temperature that it measured. And how quickly does all this occur? Within a few seconds. You walk up to the target point, you stand on, we have two yellow footprints on the floor. Um, You look into the camera and within a few seconds, it's captured your image thermally as well as um, visually. It's put a box around your head so it knows where you are. And then it finds the hottest spot within that box and it reports a temperature. And so it estimates your body temperature at approximately 2.16 degrees higher than what your skin temperature is. Because you're, when you're that far away, it's unlike a forehead scanner. So when you have the handheld and you're two inches away, it's a different technology. Both of them are doing the same thing. They're both estimating what your core body temp is based on readings, but the handheld device, and we've been comparing the two. Um, so we would have staff walk into the facility. We'd record a series of answers to questions about you know, where they've been, exposure, being in groups of 10 or more. At the early stage, it was had they traveled outside of Massachusetts. We've mm-hmm. kind of eliminated that question. And then we would do a thermal scan and we would allow them to enter the building based on their thermal scan. And now we've been doing those two things side by side and comparing the data between the two. And how does it look? How does the data look uh, compared to one another? It looks, yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting. One of the things that I didn't really expect would be an issue is, you know, it's been pretty cold in New England over the last few weeks. The temperature being 40 degrees outside and someone walking across the parking lot when they come in and they get the seek thermal scan, you know, it says they're 92 degrees. The, the forehead scanner still gives them the 97, 98, 99, you know, kind of right in that normal reading threshold. Uh, but the seek camera is really influenced by cold outside temperatures. And apparently that's pretty common, not just with the seek system, but with the other systems as well. And bodies need to kind of equilibrate against the, you know, room temperature Um, And apparently it happens more on the cold side than it does on the hot side. We were in a conference call with the Viper manufacturer, and they were saying that, you know, really cold temperatures influence it more than hot outside temperatures. So are you trying to figure out a way now to basically have a workaround for that? Or are you just hoping that it doesn't get it? It doesn't get cold anymore. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's a really good question because, you know, some of the thinking is, we want to use that lobby screening as the line of defense to keep anybody who's potentially with a fever out of the building. Right. And we, we actually were successful in doing that. With the handheld unit, uh, some number of weeks ago, we had somebody who'd been out of the office for a few days, decided to come to work and that they were well enough that day. We screened them with the handheld scanner. They were over the 100.4. Uh, we sent them home, uh, sent them to go see their doctor, and they actually tested positive. And we prevented that person from entering the facility using the the forehead scanning. So we, we do need to find something. And there's, you know, can we correlate an outside air temperature to a new estimated body temperature? Right. So, you know, to try and account for that. But you run into the, you know, someone who parked 20 feet away from the door is very different than someone who parked 200 feet away from the door because mm-hmm. their exposure to that cold is a lot longer. And so we're not exactly sure how to address that yet. You know, the thinking is, you know, if if they could warm up and it takes, you know, five minutes roughly, you know, is that is that a worthwhile wait with them in the facility to then go ahead and do the screening? I'm not ready to say yes, that is because I I really do want the screening at the door, but I also want an accurate and reliable system. 
Are there any other challenges early on with the automated temperature screening and the procedures that you guys have taken so far? Uh, you know, I expected people to be more nervous about it and not willing and or interested in, in doing it. But so far, we found that the population is pretty open to it. They mm -hmm. understand that, you know, what we're trying to do is beneficial. You know, we had to queue up a little bit and it, it added a step to the process. You know, we, we had our you know, questionnaire, our uh, forehead scan down pretty quickly. One of the issues is that it doesn't like some masks. So when people go to get their temperature uh, screened, if they have a mask covering their face, that may cause an issue with the readings. Um, we're, we're seeing some kind of mixed reviews about that because you obviously want people wearing masks at all times. Uh, but if they're taking it off briefly to get the scan done, um, you know, that's probably okay. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, you know, ultimately we want this to be, you know, self-reporting. And so, you know, right now I've got people dedicated to being at the front of my building, you know, letting people in, doing the uh, questionnaire, doing the recordings and the readings. But ultimately, we'd like to be able to have somebody walk up to the lobby, you know, get their green check, go ahead and have them all also self-report that, you know, they've not been around anybody who's sick. They've not been, you know, sick themselves. They're not symptomatic. Um, and you kind of would like to create a self-reporting system. And I, I'm just not sure how we get to that stage. I think I think there's a lot of um, trust that you'd have to have that the employee base is going to be, you know, honest and, and you know, truthful about what it is. I'm confident that we'll do that. Um, but it's just, you know, do you run the risk of somebody saying, geez, you know, I haven't been sick the last couple of days mm -hmm. and then actually having, you know, misreported something. So. so loads of potential with this automated temperature screening, but you're still trying to find your way with it to make sure that it's a streamlined process and you eliminate a lot of the manual labor and yep. the, the manual temperature reading with this. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And, you know, the up at TCS, um, Rob Gustafson is doing a tremendous amount of analytics. He's taking data and cutting it and chopping it and comparing it. And we're looking at how people's body temperatures move throughout the day. You know, you're, some people are warmer in the morning, cooler in the afternoon. Um, some people are the other. And it's interesting as you look at this data, we're talking about normal distributions and kind of outliers. And, you know, some of it is, you know, we've typed the data in wrong. You know, we had somebody and he's like, well, that, that data point can't be possible. And it turns out it was a typo, mm -hmm. but it, it, the data speaks volumes. And, you know, we, we started early on comparing the handheld scanner and the seek scanner. And what we found was, you know, when people were in the building and had you know, equilibriated with the inside air, the two systems were very close to each other and, and consistent in terms of the data. And really the big variable is that outside air temperature, if it's too cool, really throws off the seat data and that ability to actually record an accurate estimate of the body temperature. This is great information, Eric. I think people are gonna really like listening to this as they also are looking at evaluating systems such as this. And I know that throughout the corporation, we're looking at others as well, but thank you so much for telling everyone about your experience so far. I'm sure we'll hear more about this in the coming weeks and months as well. And my best to you and your family and everyone at PCD. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it.